Have you heard of the Bereans? According to the Apostle Paul, they were noble-minded because they neither accepted nor rejected his message until they had first checked it against the scriptures to see if it was really true. Welcome to Truth Matters with Sean Finnegan. Our aim here at Truth Matters is to be as the Bereans each week by interviewing guest speakers and investigating topics, testing them against the scriptures to discover truth and shed falsehood. And now, here is your host, Sean Finnegan. Hello, this is Sean Finnegan. Welcome to Truth Matters. We're here today in the studio with Matt Elton. We're going to be talking about churchology versus Christianity. Matt Elton is a senior at Glens Falls High School right here in the Capital District, and he has been accepted to Messiah College in Pennsylvania, and he intends to major in communications and concentrate in film and digital media. He attends Living Hope Community Church and is the co-founder of Plasma Productions, a Christian videography studio which has produced several short documentaries and promos for Living Hope. Their latest video exposes the root of the current economic crisis, and I highly recommend it. You have to check it out on their website, plasmaproductions.net, and you can see some of their videos. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Sean. It's good to be here. To start off, I thought it would be nice to hear about your spiritual journey and why it is that you're interested in the Bible, and in particular in the subject of churchology versus Christianity, which we can talk about more as we go here. I was raised in a Christian family with Christian parents. I've sort of been taught about Christianity my whole life, and from a very young age, I read the Bible and learned a lot about the Bible, had a good understanding of the Bible, but didn't really apply the Bible to my life until I matured spiritually, so to speak. And So you had some knowledge about right, I the had, Bible, but you weren't necessarily... Right. I, I, I read the entire Bible a couple years ago and learned a lot of, and gained a lot of knowledge about the Bible. But I realized that something was missing in my life because I, well, I knew a lot about the Bible. I wasn't necessarily applying what the Bible taught in my life. Okay. And I realized that Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I had to question, do I really love Jesus if I'm not keeping his commandments? So then at that point, I had to, had to change my life and re- repent, have, have a change of actions, which took effort because it, it required a change of heart. Because if you don't, if you try to change your actions and get away from sinful habits without changing your heart first, you, you probably won't get anywhere. Because when you have a heart for God, then your actions naturally reveal that. So I had to start to follow what, what the Bible actually taught and okay. not just uh, know a lot about it. Okay. Well, I'm very excited to talk about some of your own experience and understanding the general climate of what it's like in high school. Could you just talk about what it's like? What's the religious climate in your high school and your own experience with being a Christian? Is it hard to be a Christian these days in high school or is it easy or what's your experience been? Well, it's definitely hard. There isn't much religious climate at all in high school, in public high schools. I don't know a lot of atheists either. The interesting thing is that almost everybody I know in high school is basically an agnostic where they don't really have any beliefs one way or the other. Like, an atheist believes that there is no God. That's a belief that requires some faith. But, you know, Christians believe that there is a God. Mm -hmm. But from my experience, most high school students would say, well, maybe maybe there's a God, maybe there's not. I don't really know. What's for lunch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a God, maybe there's not. You know, I'm keeping my options open. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I'm not tied down to one belief. And that's the norm to the point where... um, People expect you to be agnostic, and if you, if you do uh, assert a belief, it's kind of surprising. 
I think there there are a lot there are Christians in my high school, of course, but I think a lot of people of faith are sort of afraid to assert that faith because anybody that asserts one idea will inevitably be um, persecuted or criticized by people that believe something different. Even most atheists don't assert their atheism very much because they they'll know they'll be criticized by people that do believe in God. And Christians, a lot of them don't openly come out and say that they're Christians because they know they'll be criticized. But people that don't have any beliefs that are agnostic... They talk right, more about it, it. it. They're sort of accepted by everybody because okay. they, they don't believe it one way or the other. So, well, they're not sure yet. That's okay, you know? <laughs> so in order to escape criticism, you know, being made fun of, in my experience, most high school students are just sort of agnostic. And I think it's probably that way in the workplace and the world in general, probably. Right. Yeah, it seems like Christianity is viewed as a religion that is very critical of other faiths and that it's not politically correct or expedient or necessarily a good move. It's not It's not to politically come... correct when, when a Christian would say that another belief is wrong because he believes Christianity. Some Christians almost blend their Christianity with other religions like they're compatible. But really, if you look at what Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the light, that no one else comes to the Father except through him. It makes it pretty clear that Jesus is the only way. Uh-huh. And if you believe in the Bible, then anything that does not agree with the Bible, it would not be correct from your belief. Right. To say that in today's world, whether it be in high school or anywhere, to even suggest that other people who disagree with you are wrong or that that it's possible that they could be wrong to even suggest that is considered backwards or bigotry or narrow-minded intolerant you can say you're a christian as long as you don't say anything else any other belief is wrong right. and as soon as you say that another belief is wrong then it upsets people but if you think about it with other outside of religion people assert their beliefs in all kinds of all kinds of things that they say, uh, you know, the Republicans are wrong, the Democrats are wrong, and uh-huh. nobody gets too upset over that. Uh-huh. But as soon as you do that with religious beliefs, you can't say, well, the Muslims are wrong right, or the right. Because then, Jews then are you're wrong. labeled intolerant, even though right. you know right. people are politically intolerant and all kinds of other <laughs> ways intolerant, and nobody right. seems to mind. So I, I remember talking with you off the air here a little bit earlier. That was it. Last year, the theme of your high school was tolerance. It was a couple years ago. A that couple was of years ago. Okay. Every year there's a, a theme that isn't really doesn't really mean anything, but at the beginning <laughs> of the year they just say, this is this year's theme. Okay. And I thought it was interesting that they were picked tolerance as a theme because I don't think anyone did this, but students could use that theme for their advantage and say that, like, because teachers would say all the time, like, we don't tolerate failing, we don't tolerate tardiness. And <laughs> a student, if, if a student wanted to be... I thought this year was tolerance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the student could just say, well... I should be able to hand my homework. And that just demonstrates that tolerance, it's in society and in high schools especially, tolerance is um, always presented as something that's really good, while intolerance is something that's really bad. We had to write an essay about the evils of intolerance, actually. Oh, really? But tolerance is not something that's good or bad. It depends what you're tolerating. Right. It's it's a neutral word. It depends what you're tolerating. Uh I mean, we would all agree there's a lot of things that should be tolerated that are good things. But everybody would also agree that certain things like crimes, murder, and other crimes should not be tolerated. Right. That's an example of intolerance, right. yet it benefits society. Mm-hmm. So it, it all comes down to what you're tolerating. 
Right. And as Christians, we believe certain things are, are right and should be tolerated and certain things are wrong and should be not be tolerated. And Jesus laid out those things very clearly. There's things that Jesus was not very tolerant himself when it came to certain things. He would make it very clear what things were wrong. And he, For example, in Luke chapter 11, he would say, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and, every, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, ruin all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect the justice and the, lo- and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So Jesus criticized the Pharisees because they were going through the motions, they were tithing, giving uh, sacrifices to the temple, and the Pharisees out on the outside looked like they, were, they had it together and were doing the things God wanted them to do. But Jesus knew their heart wasn't in it. And, right. he, you know, Jesus, if he wanted to be tolerant, he could have said, well, I'll do my thing. The, you Pharisees can go do your thing and it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but, Jesus doesn't talk like that, no, does he? <laughs> when, when Jesus confronted things that were wrong, he, he confronted them confrontationally. And yet at the same time, he was still loving to everyone. He would eat with the sinners and the tax collectors. And the Pharisees. Right, and the Pharisees. <laughs> Actually, that in this record, I believe, he was eating at a Pharisee's house. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisee noticed that Jesus did not wash his hands before the meal. That's, that's yeah. when Jesus went into this. Yeah. Verse 37 says he was, he was asked to have lunch at a Pharisee's right. house. Yeah, just a couple things you made me think of when I was hearing you talk about tolerance is that I think tolerance, as it's used regarding religion, is kind of immature, and it's sort of like a just a, a very ground level type of policy. So like we're gonna just tolerate these people. Yeah, they're they're wacky, but you know, whatever. We're just gonna tolerate them and we all, all just need to tolerate each other. What could be done better than even tolerance is respect. You know? I yeah. What about the idea of respecting each person's faith in whatever it is enough to take it seriously? You know, for example, if somebody says, oh, Christians, Jews, Muslims, it's all really the same thing. They're all teaching to love your neighbor and to follow the golden rule. If there is a God, they're all going to be fine anyhow. You know, they're all equally valid paths to God. And that statement is considered by many people, if the principal of the school made that statement, it would be considered as a very tolerant statement. You know, look, let's just all get along. You all have various aspects of the truth. Maybe somebody would bring up that story about the elephant that the blind people are all grabbing a different part of the elephant saying, you know, the elephant is like a snake. That's the person holding the trunk and the other person's holding the tusk. And they're saying, Oh, this elephant is very pointy and sharp and hard, you know? And so is that really the mature way to look at things? I, I don't think so at all, because let's face it, Judaism says that Jesus is not the Messiah, okay? Christianity is based on the belief that Jesus is the Christ. So they cannot both be right at right. the same time. And I think that's, I think it's giving it more respect to say one of them's right, one of them's wrong. Maybe not to say necessarily which one's right and which one's wrong, but to say they're both right is sort of like to reduce both religion to some sort of watered-down version that you know, now they're really just both powerless. And then Islam contains within it the belief that Jesus was never crucified. He never died. 
that he was a prophet, but not the Messiah. Right, but and they specifically say that he was he was not killed. He did not die. Christianity is based on the idea that Jesus died for our sins. Judaism would say, yeah, Jesus died, but it didn't mean anything. Or maybe it was a just punishment of God on a false Messiah or something like that. And so when people come in and they say, oh, look, these religions are all equal paths to God and we just need to be tolerant, you know, it has this sense when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's so mature. That's so taking the high road. That's such a, a way of humility. But in reality, it's just, it's just ignorance because <laughs> it's not acknowledging the, the belief systems for what they are. Right. It's, it's refusing right. to acknowledge what giving, these people actually believe. Right. right. And that's disrespectful. It is. To yeah. not even take the time to even read like the dummies book of world religions or, you know what I yeah. mean? And, and see, okay, this is what these people believe. To, to not even give it that much respect is really just patronizing PC talk, which it's not helping. But I think if, and you know, I, I speak more as a Christian because obviously that's my perspective. And as a Christian, obviously we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, others who disagree with that, we're going to have to say they're wrong. Does that mean that I'm mean? No, it's just a fact. If I have that fact correct, they have it incorrect. If they have it correct, I have it incorrect. It doesn't make me intolerant. You know what I mean? Right. And the other thing I was thinking of was in Christianity, we have a legacy of persecuting others who are not of the same faith as ours, of the Inquisition, of the Crusades. We have a legacy of a lot of bad behavior. And I think the way forward is to take Jesus seriously and to obey him and just live the life that Jesus told us about, where he says, love your neighbor as yourself, love even your enemies. And if we took that seriously as the church, I think the world would see something beautiful. They would not look at Christianity as this brutal force to subjugate others to their way of thinking, but rather as this light of God's love. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think it is very possible to, to, in saying that other beliefs are wrong, to take it too far and to become like the Inquisition, which is not at all the way Jesus did it. Although he, he definitely stood up for what he believed in. At the same time, he was very loving to, to everyone, even his enemies. And even when the apostles, there were times, like when they passed by a Samaritan village, the Samaritans rejected what Jesus taught, and the apostles wanted to call down fire and destroy the village. And Jesus said, no, we're not, not going to do that. That's not what we're about. No, right. it's not what we're about. What Jesus did is he presented what he believed, and then people could take it or leave it. Right. And I, what I suggest is that rather than saying that all the beliefs are all equally valid, which doesn't make any sense mathematically or <laughs> logically. <laughs> logically. Rather, we should have an intelligent dialogue between beliefs. Right. And respect other beliefs enough to engage. acknowledge what they yeah. believe, know about what they believe, engage. This is what I believe now, and you listen to what other people believe and you have an intelligent dialogue. That's the more mature way to do it right. rather than saying, well, everybody's right, but that's not, <laughs> but not right. possible logically. Right. Well, we're going to have to pause this conversation and take a quick break. This is Sean Finnegan speaking with Matt Elton, a high school senior from Glens Falls, on what it means to be a Christian in our postmodern age of tolerance and religious pluralism. This is Truth Matters. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. This is Truth Matters, and I'm Sean Finnegan here in the studio with Matt Elton, 
a high school senior from Glens Falls, and we're talking about what it's like to live out Christianity in our society today. If you'd like to ask Matt any questions or access previous shows, log on to our website at truthmattersradio.com. And now, here is the remainder of our conversation. If I'm wrong about something, let's just, let's just suppose, hypothetically for a moment, that Jesus is really coming back to separate the wheat from the chaff, as John the Baptist would put it, and I'm on the wrong side of that equation right now. Let's just assume all that. Okay. And I'm on the wrong side of that judgment day equation. And so the kind thing for you to do for me is to tell me, look, Sean, you can't go out and continue living this lifestyle and think you're okay. That's not being mean. That's being kind. And so I think when Jesus confronts the Pharisees, it wasn't motivated out of a a mean-spiritedness or a jealousy or anything immature. I think it was Jesus actually caring for the Pharisees enough to tell them, look, this is your issue. You are so meticulous when it comes to washing your vessels so they're religiously purified and tithing even your garden mints, but you lack this huge thing, compassion. You know what I mean? So I I think this is not Jesus being mean-spirited or bigoted. I think what it is is Jesus being loving and because but you that's don't. what true love is sometimes, right. is telling somebody, look, the way you're going right now is wrong. You know, we get in the courtroom, the uh, judge up there, he doesn't, it's not like he, he goes through this whole thing of like, oh, what is this person going to feel if I condemn them to five years for robbing the bank? You know, I hope it doesn't hurt their feelings too much. You know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> come on. What you don't want to happen is for Jesus to come back and judge the whole world, the dead will be raised and everybody that ever lived will be judged, the Bible says, some unto eternal life others unto eternal death. And the people that are going to be thrown in like a fire, you don't want to see people you knew and your friends there and saying, why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me this was going to happen? When you knew you knew this was going to happen from the Bible, the, mm-hmm. the least you can do is tell people right. in a loving way that if people are not doing the right things according to what Jesus taught, the loving thing to do is to tell them so they at least have a chance to change. Yeah. And repent. Mm -hmm. But obviously, that's their decision. And when it goes too far, some people try to force other people to to change. And that's not what Jesus ever did. I mean, we we do admit that this idea of sharing the gospel with people, you know, in a confrontational way even, has been done wrong in the past. And it is done wrong from time to time. And we're we're not trying to say you should force anybody to do anything. God works through persuasion not through compulsion or controlling people. And if, you if, see that in Jesus, right? Right. Jesus persuaded people to do the right thing and persuaded people to come to God through him. It, it's like the, the parable of the sower and the seed and the different types of soil are the, the different types of people. Right. Some yeah. people were receptive and, and believed and produced good fruit in their life. Well, others, others didn't. But the people that didn't, Jesus didn't try to force them to. That was their decision that they made, that they have the right to make. You're right that God works through persuasion. And not through compulsion or, or controlling people. If God wanted to control everybody to make them live good lives, he could do that himself. He wouldn't need us to go out and control people for him. <laughs> so what, he, what God wants us to do is, is to speak the truth to people so they at least hear it. And if they have a heart that's willing and receptive to the message, they can be persuaded to come to know God through Jesus Christ. 
I was reading this book by Lee Camp called Mere Discipleship, sort of like a takeoff on mere Christianity by mm. C.S. Lewis, because uh, there has been a tendency in Christianity to separate out beliefs from practices and to say you're a Christian based on your beliefs, rather than saying you're a Christian based on your beliefs and practices. You know, the whole idea of even separating those two out is a very bad idea, I think. But in in the beginning of the second chapter of his book, is called God's Way of Working, and he's got this quotation from a second century letter written to a gentleman named Diognetus, and it reads, He willed to save man by persuasion, not by compulsion, for compulsion is not God's way of working. And then directly under that quotation, he quotes Charlemagne, the Christian king of the Franks, in AD 785, so this is six centuries later, what are Christians saying now? If there is any one of the Saxon people lurking among them unbaptized, and if he scorns to come to baptism and wishes to absent himself and stay a pagan, let him die. And so Christianity went from saying, let's use God's way of working through persuasion. We'll present people with the gospel. And you see it in the apostles. You know, Paul gets to Athens. He shares the message. Dionysius and Damaris believe and a couple others. And most of the people just laugh at him. You know, he doesn't come back with an army and kill everybody. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, I think Christianity has a bad reputation historically. And I think justly so people are nervous about Christians. But what I'm saying is, can we not, can we not as Christians do this in a more balanced way? Rather than saying, you know, our faith doesn't really have anything, any content that is going to save you. You know, it's just it's just sort of a nice thing we do. We go to church on Sunday and we sing songs. It's, it's, it's a really pleasant religion. You know, rather than going that way with it and sort of watering it down or going the other direction and saying, let's go sharpen our swords and kill the infidel. Can we not do like Jesus and present the gospel with, with a certain... Present the gospel as it is written, not Watertown. Right. And then people will, will either receive it and believe right. or they right. will not let people but, but do- we we have to let people decide for yes. themselves because right. i think when we don't let people decide and we think that we have to force people to believe what we believe i think we're sort of losing faith in the power of the gospel itself because we believe that the gospel is so powerful that it will persuade people just by itself i know many people who, who can testify to that Right. This is a passage from Second Timothy chapter 1. It says in verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the whole idea is that the gospel that Jesus preached and that Jesus validated by his death and resurrection, this message has within it this mysterious transformative power to bring life and immortality. You know, And so why wouldn't we want to share that with people? in a way that allows them the freedom to choose that or deny it. I think a lot of us are more on the side of timidity rather than too much on the side of boldness. I know in my own life, that's the side I've struggled with more is not speaking up when I could rather than the side where it's like beating somebody in the head with the Bible. You know, I think our society is so anti 
even just conversion. Really, what what we should be doing is just telling people what we believe, because what we believe is a message that's powerful and has the power to change lives. And if we just tell people what we believe, some people will, most people probably will not believe it. Some people will, but whatever happens, at least we're spreading the message. And we do it in a way that rather than trying to force people to believe what we believe, we, we just tell them what we believe. A lot of Christians are timid because whenever they start talking about their beliefs to others, they're immediately labeled as intolerant of other people's beliefs. Uh-huh. But really, I, what I would like to see is a intelligent discussion amongst people of different beliefs that are mature enough to discuss their beliefs to others without thinking that other that they're intolerant or other people are Or, or getting a little hot and bothered. Like, I mean, yeah. You know? if, if a Muslim or a Buddhist or anyone wanted to talk about their beliefs with me, I would... I would like that, you know. You would listen, right? Yeah, I would yeah. listen. I would not think that they're being intolerant by saying that what I believe is wrong. Right. We can disagree, but we should be mature enough to be able to discuss our beliefs without labeling each other as being intolerant. Right. And we should do it in the way Jesus did it, is that he talked to all sorts of people from the Pharisees to the lowliest tax collectors. He presented them with, with the truth, and they either accepted it or denied it. But either way, he, he spread the message of the coming kingdom. And we should do it with the love that Jesus had. Is that the, I think the most powerful thing about the message of the gospel is that when people love everyone, even loving your enemies, that's a very, very powerful thing because it affects people. If you're mean to someone, but they love you in return and do good things for you in return and don't hate you back like you'd expect them to, that's a powerful thing that, that really affects people. And they'll start to wonder, what's up with this person? And maybe is there a higher way that I can live? That, because when you love enemies, you'll find that they don't really want to be your enemies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we cannot allow ourselves to separate the preaching of the gospel from the living out of the gospel in our own lives. So if we are preaching that people need to repent and believe in Jesus and follow him, then it is up to us to repent and believe in Jesus and read his words so we even know what they are, the Sermon on the Mount in particular, and then follow them in our own lives. And so then we're able to testify, to witness, to proclaim, not only with our words, but also with our lives, doing both. You know, the idea is that we live a lifestyle of restoration. We live a kingdom lifestyle. We embody the kingdom in our lives today, even while the kingdom is still future. And then when we preach the message of the kingdom, there's no hypocrisy. And if people reject it, then they reject it. Jesus commands us to love our enemies. We are not here to bring the judgment on the earth. Jesus will deal with that when he comes. Do you have any concluding remarks to leave our listeners Just with? That I think too often Christians are labeled as uh, being hypocrites because they preach this message, but they don't, in their own lives, they don't actually follow it. So this needs to change because to be a Christian means to follow Jesus and to be like Jesus. If we don't have the kind of peace and love that Jesus embodied in his own life, we need to change ourselves before we can even start to spread the message to other people. Right. Well, Matt, thank you for taking the time out to share with us today. Thanks. It's been good to be here. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Truth Matters with Pastor Sean Finnegan, where pursuing truth is more important than preserving tradition. If you'd like to access our archive of previous shows or leave us feedback, including suggestions for future shows, log on to truthmattersradio.com or give us a call at 518-785-8888.